I think personally for land flipping, this business is easy to make a million dollars relatively compared to other businesses, Ron. But can you add another digit to that? Can you make a $10 million business? Can you level that up? And to do that, to take it from $1 million to $10 million, there's just so many systems, processes, employees, and things that you're going to need to get in place. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, this is episode 132 of the Real Estate Investing Podcast, discussing the most common mistakes land investors make. I'm your host, Daniel Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Before we get into the show, let's go over a question from one of our Discord members. Today's question is from Phil. Phil asked, how much does having a well or septic or lack of thereof impact the value of a lot? I have one under contract that does not have a water or septic, and I just contracted three more that also do not have it. Yeah, this is very common, Phil. Like, that's normal. This is, so what Phil's asking is, is it normal to acquire land to get deals back that don't have well, don't have septic, basically don't have water and sewage, so they're going to need to be put in by the end buyer. And this is 100%, 95% of our deals come back like this, yeah. where they don't have well and septic. It's vacant land. Like, that's what we're offering. It's vacant land. Uh, so it, it's very normal. How much does it affect it in a good way? If it does, like, it probably helps three, five, seven thousand dollars $7,000 if it has well and septic. But the thing about vacant land and well and septic is a lot of times that septic hasn't been used and it needs service or it needs a completely new septic system. Same thing with the well. Wells need a lot of service if they're just sitting there unused. So that's the thing. If you do get one back and the owner says they have a well or a septic, you got to check with the health department on the condition. Yeah. And I think it's less about the actual total dollar amount. I think it's more about speed, the speed of the transaction, having a well, having a septic uh, on your property already where, where they can move in and already have that all done. They don't need to go through all that permit and construction type of work on. I think it's, I think it's, uh, reaching more buyers because exactly. there are land buyers out there who are like, I need utilities already. I don't want to have to deal with it. They that. don't want to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a bigger audience of people, I guess, bigger body or buyer pool. And they're like, Oh, well I can just get this land now not wait two months for this all to be done yep. and only pay $8,000, $10,000 more when it would cost that. You know what I mean? It just yeah. really speeds up the process. So I think it's more catered towards that Ron. I agree. Cool. Well, let's get into the show. Today's topic, the most common mistakes land investors are making in 2023, what we see now, Ron. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's one top reason that comes to my mind, Ron, what are you thinking? Um, I mean, I have quite a few, uh, I think sending one mailer is kind of the first thing. What did you have in mind your first one, Dan? Sending one mailer and just like stopping and expecting results and like being inconsistent with mail is something that really comes to mind with me. Is that what you had? Dan? No, let's go into that. That's not what I had. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the bigger things I see is people who join, people who start this process of uh, land flipping, they send one mailer out. When I say one mailer, I'm saying 2,000 mailers, 1,500 mailers, a set of mail to one county. And then they stop and wait for results before they send their second. Yeah. Or they just like, maybe they don't get the best results from their first mailer. It's very normal not to be great at something at first, guys. And if you send 1,500 mail, piece of mail out and you don't get a deal, like it's a very normal result to be 100% transparent with you guys. But same time, like if you send two of those, three of those mailers, like you're going to get a deal nine times out of 10. So it's about the consistency aspect, I think. Yeah. And the vehicle works like this is land flipping. We know it works. We do it. Hundreds of others do it. 
It's it's not the external factors that are going to make or break someone. It's you got to look internally. I was talking about that I think with Blake yesterday actually, uh, and we were discussing some of the biggest mistakes people do. And I say, I said that they look externally, try to mm-hmm. figure out reasons why rather than looking in. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Like they don't whether you send fifteen hundred mailers and then they stop believing that uh, land flipping works because of the fifteen hundred didn't get them a deal or whatever that is. Do that three, four, five times. Then let's look back and analyzing. And that's what I had, Ron. We similar to this. I said not sending enough mail and analyzing very small data sets. Mm-hmm. So trying to overanalyze something that you shouldn't even be analyzing. Quit thinking so much. Just start ripping it out. Then what, start analyzing. What came to my head is is like going to the gym once and like expecting to like look in the mirror and like it's a different person. That that's night. a good. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Biceps aren't built in one day. <laughs> in Daniel's case, not built in twenty eight years. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's all about consistency in this business model. Go to our community. If you're not in our Discord community, join our Discord community. See see the type of deals that are coming through. Like, it works. It's not about, it's not going to work every single mailer. Um, but overall, if you're consistent month, month over month, week over week, you're going to get deals and you're make a ton of money. You know what business. I've been telling people to do? Hmm. Uh, that that externally have that doubt? I say go into our Discord, figure out who's a member. It shows they should be blue in there. DM all of them and just start asking about land yeah. flipping and their experience. Ask them, ask them how much mail they've sent, ask them how many deals they've done. Um, and then, like you said, ask them about their experience. That's a really good point. And, well, and it's then very if they clear say, in our Discord who's a member. Yeah, it's very clear. And if they say, oh, I haven't sent, seen any deals yet, uh, but I've only sent out 1,200 and just started, that's okay. But yeah. you're not going to see someone be like, oh, I've sent out 20,000. I haven't gotten a deal. It just won't happen. If they say they sent out 20,000, they're going to say they quit their nine to five right after that. You know yeah. what I mean? Did 10 deals, made 100 grand, 200 grand, and that's going to be the results based on that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a common mistake though, guys. Like you have to be in this longer than like, I'm going to try to squeeze out a deal. There's been so many people recently that I'm seeing that are coming in. Like I know, that's what I've seen in the Discord a ton is I know this is going to work. And I love seeing that. Oh yeah. Like it, I keep, haven't you seen that a lot? I love that too. It's like, I, well, I don't know I don't know exactly when I'm going to get that first deal, but I know this is going to work long term. And those mindsets, I that 10 out of 10 times, they're successful. And we do a workshop, too. And one of the first things I ask, because I wanted to see how to gauge the workshop. Like, do they not believe in themselves? Do they not believe? Like, what what's their doubt? Why aren't they land flipping? And that's the question I ask. Like, uh, is it the external beliefs or internal beliefs? And it's always the internal. They believe in land flipping. They know it works, whether they refer it or they see someone doing it or they just believe in what we're saying for some reason. But I just think like seeing that, Ron, just makes there's proof. It, there's less external doubt for land flipping, which is a really good thing, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. What else you got, Dan, for mistakes? So I wanted to talk about people are always getting distracted. Um, and I mean mainly for land flipping with different niches too early or just getting distracted on different ways to do things because um, they see another podcast or a YouTube video or whatever that is. They're getting too too distracted and instead of learning how to the basics at first, learn how to buy and sell land, learn how to evaluate land very, very well. And it's like people coming to us. And I love the questions. I love people looking to do alternative things. I'm not against that. But if you've done zero deals, let's let's figure out. We know it works. Let's do that 10 times and then let's start exploring a little more. One thing I've seen Recently, Ron, um, like people are asking a lot about land entitlements. So someone who hasn't never done a land deal asking about a $5 million land entitlement. It's like, let's learn how to evaluate land. Let's learn how to buy land under market value. Let's learn how to sell land. And then let's start looking at these niches. I see too many people too early getting distracted. Mm -hmm. And then you lose focus of what actually is working. We know this works. We know how to do it. Let's do that 10 times, Ron, then explore. Yeah, I mean, it is. it will handcuff your ability to make money by getting distracted 
Like, how long did Jeff Bezos sell books for before doing anything else? He was selling books on Amazon, and that's all Amazon was, was an online bookstore. Like, he was focused on selling books, building a community around that, and, like, so micro-focused. And all the richest people in the world, other than maybe, like, Elon Musk, like they're doing one thing and they do it really, really darn well. Yeah. Um, and like staying focused on that. And then when you do have another idea or something, did I say idea? I think idea. I, <laughs> idea or something, you need to put 5% of your time into that idea to test it out, to see what's going on. Right. Um, and then put 95% of your time in and energy into what's working. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, even Elon Musk, when you said that, he stays focused for a certain amount of time. He's not... Now it's a little different because he can get the level of talent and recruits yep. to that level, and he knows. Um, but like he started PayPal, he focused on PayPal for a long time. Yep. He sold PayPal, so everything he does, he hyper focused. He didn't start Tesla and SpaceX in the same year. He gave him five years in between, or whatever that was. I can't remember the exact time frame. But even him, he stayed focused on those. So yep. I, I, I just don't think it can work if you start bouncing around. Yeah, that's what uh, Hormozy. We've talked about him a little bit. He was talking about uh, Chick Fil A and how micro-focused they have been on selling one sandwich for 80 years or something like that. And it wasn't like the biggest company for the first 60 years or something, but the last 15, 20 years, like Chick-fil-A's are everywhere. Some of you guys listening probably don't remember when Chick-fil-A's weren't like on every street corner, but they weren't. We're in the city of Cincinnati and we didn't have one probably till five, seven, 10 years ago. It's crazy to think about. Um, but like micro-focus, they have eight items on their menu or something like that. Micro-focus on selling these. It's not the best chicken sandwich in the world, uh, but the customer service aspect and selling one item is what they kind of believe in, and it worked. Yeah, exactly. Next thing I want to talk about, Ron, is uh, just the overall lack of due diligence, trying to force deals. We see this a lot from beginners. Uh, this is the title, the early land mistakes that land investors make, Ron. But lack of due diligence, trying to force deals, because maybe they haven't made money yet. Maybe they've sent out mail and haven't seen a result. Yep. The more desperate you get, the more you try to push through and you try to make things happen, and that's when things fall through the crack, Ron. And these next couple mistakes that we're going to talk about are going to be for beginner. Uh, this one's going to be, I think, a combination of beginners and more veteran people as well, because this is still common. Like if you have a dry spell of mail, like a veteran person is more oh, likely yeah. to kind of like... It's subconscious too. It's not like you know you're doing it. That's, yeah. why, that's why it's so scary is because people subconsciously try to force deals, especially if you're not funding them yourself. If your deal funder doesn't do a lot of due diligence himself, mm -hmm. Ron, that's just recipe for especially in an ongoing yep. recession, like you got to be careful. And that's, that's why we don't let our salesperson do due diligence. Uh, um, actually, we got to cut the line. They're not yeah. even allowed to talk to each other. anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like that, that can get, it gets really hairy when a salesperson trying to push people to buy deals, but that due diligence, that transaction coordinator, whatever you want to call them, uh, the person who is finding out about the deal needs to be completely unbiased. They are trying to find out facts about the land. What can be done with the land? Uh, what's slope look like? Let's get some people. How wet is it? on the property it is facts that they need to come back with and then i think for beginners and advanced people getting a second if you're doing this business yourself getting a second set of eyes on it uh from us in our wednesday calls from other land investors is so important because that second set of eyes is so unbiased I'm not saying you take it a hundred percent but doing that part is i think crucial for new people especially and it kind of goes into the last thing ron which is analysis paralysis but there's a line like our business works so well and is so sustainable and so valuable to the seller and the future buyer because we make things move fast. So you don't want, there's a line. You don't want to overdo due diligence. You do want all the information, all the facts, but you don't want to take two weeks to do it. Um, so I think there's a line to run of doing too little and doing too much. 
and still providing that same amount of value because we are buying this in our own name. We're going to move fast. The seller thinks we're going to move fast and that's what we do. So we want to stick to that because that is our value. If you want that $50,000 in 10 days, that's what we're sticking to. Let's make it happen. That's yep. why they're selling to us. You're going to lose deals if you start you know, delaying this too much or overdoing things. Yeah, it's a it's a fine line between speed and accuracy, without a doubt. And we've been talking with our uh, due diligence person a lot about this. One other mistake that I kind of was thinking about, Dan, while we were going through this, and it's very related, is not going too fast on due diligence. And I've seen it. I, that's one thing that I have seen in our community recently, like people who it's their first potential deal, and they're saying they already sent a title. And I'm looking at the deal like, some of that, like, you got to be careful with sending some stuff to title. You're going to ruin title relationships for yeah. one if you just back out. And some of these deals are, like, not even close, honestly, on price and stuff like that. I saw, like, two or three in the last week, and it's a common first mistake is sending deals to title too early and over getting overly excited, I think, is so common. Yeah, and it's a good question, too, though, Ron. Like, I've seen – we've never lost money on a deal, period. We haven't. Not even very no. close. Um and is that a good thing? I don't know. It's like maybe we could have done 100 more deals and lost money on five of them, but that 95 other deals yep. we made good money on. Um, so maybe we're over that. That's what I challenged Ron with last week, I think. Maybe we're over doing due diligence and saying no to too many deals. Our margins are so freaking good in this industry. Like, why don't we try to challenge this and see that line? Maybe we should lose a few dollars on a deal or not because our lack of due diligence and speed or, or we raise the speed so things fall through the crack a little bit. And it's trying to find that line because right now, we're on the overcautious side as a business at Land, I think, Ron. And I think finding that line, maybe we need to speed things up a little bit more. Maybe we need to say yes to more deals. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. But what is that line? And that's what we're kind of trying to dig into. Yeah. I'm a little bit, as Daniel said, he was one kind of pushing me with that. I'm a little bit more on the other side of that. Not saying I'm overly cautious, but uh, it's definitely not a goal of mine to lose money on a deal. And obviously, it's not Daniel's, but it's going to happen if you be more aggressive. I mean, we've that. had some pretty shit land out there, Ron, that we've yeah. made, made some good money on just because yeah. we buy it so right. Yeah. Especially uh, early, like in, in before COVID, Ron. Yeah. When the market was hot. Like, but it's a good point. It, it, it is something to think about with, like, can you add 10, 15 more deals uh, to your plate this month if you take more chances? Yeah. Or if you're smaller, 10 to 15 is a ton, maybe. Yeah, one, 10 to 15 one this to year, two, one a month. More, yeah, one a month, 10 to 15 this year, yeah, exactly. Um, did we talk about analysis paralysis, Ron? I mean, that's kind of the same thing, but yeah, I mean, that term in general is just like, I think it's everything though, Dan, overanalyzing sending mail, overanalyzing your pricing when sending mail, I guess more particular. Um, it's just not being able to make decisions in the business. Yeah, yeah. Analyzing you get a deal back, are you buying it or not buying it? Yes or no? Being able to make that decision. Mm-hmm. I don't see that as much in our community as far as people holding back, sending things to title. Um, I see people like overanalyzing pricing a lot. I see people overanalyzing uh, pricing is probably the number one thing, honestly, Dan. Pricing and results. Yeah. Like we said, but we talked about that earlier, uh, small data sets, mm -hmm. overanalyzing a small data set. I agree. But yeah. I don't have anything to do that. No, I think just to sum that part up, like overanalyzing, the way to combat that is just get, use all your resources and then come up with your own decision. Mm -hmm. Um talk to or maybe you sent it to Ron and I maybe you sent it to a couple of realtors maybe you sent it to a couple of friends in the land community that we built um, whatever that is getting all your information together looking at the numbers what do the comps look like what do other people's opinions look like what are those realtors and then coming up with your own decision like oh I'm buying this the risk is so low everyone said yes it has road access yes the back's wet but the front's dry they have a spot to build we're going to make money on this like coming up with that figuring out a way to make that decision Ron. yeah I 100% agree and then 
Lastly, we wanted to get into like a more advanced topic. I think Dan is like, let's say you're making half a million dollars, a million dollars this year in land. It's being not scared necessarily, but not taking the chance to hire someone because you think you can do everything yourself. In reality, yeah, yeah, maybe you can do everything yourself when you're doing half a million, million dollars a year, but you can't do $3 million a year and do everything yourself. I think being scared to hire, you have plenty of money to hire someone. Being scared to hire is something that I see quite a few people who are making seven, eight $800,000 a year by themselves. Hiring and outsourcing, yes, I, I agree. There's no reason why you shouldn't be hiring if you're making a million dollars. Like, Make your life a little bit easier and start outsourcing. Yes, it's hard to manage and all that, but I just see in general, Ron, not putting enough time, money, or resources into the company. Like we yep. talked about last episode a little bit, Ron. Like We got to look at this like a business. Yes, all right, so you already reached your financial freedom. You already got out of your nine-to-five job. Let's treat this like a 20-year business. Let's make it sustainable. Let's get out of the day-to-day, and let's treat this like a business. I see just um, not a lot of people look at this like an actual yep. true business. Most people look at it like, Oh, we're buying, we're transactional buying and selling land, which is what we're doing. But once you do that and you have that money, how are you going to look at it? Let's make it uh, sustainable, Ron. Let's build a nice, solid foundation and then pillar off of that. Exactly. Let you, it, hiring the people is going to let you think uh, at scale. It's going to make you think, help you think about things like, how do I grow this? Okay, this is really important. And then you hire good people around you who can help you grow, who can take things off your plate that are taking up huge chunks of your day. And it was difficult at first, Dan. Like I know in your previous business, I think all you had was uh, uh, VAs, correct? Like hiring a first like full-time person from the States is, it's a difficult thing to do because you are giving away, not giving away, but it is a significant chunk of your business that you are paying someone. Uh, And then like once you do it, like it just keeps on rolling. Like, wow, the value, how much time I I saved by hiring this person. And it just keeps on stacking on top of it. Exactly. And I just think like not only employees, systems, processes, like invest in your systems, invest in your process. I don't even mean with money, like just time at that, like time, money, just resources in general, Ron. And that stuff's going to exponentially compound. Because then your employee is going to be there a year and then your employee is going to know how to analyze land and then you're going to hire someone else and it just starts, you got to look at to do things more uh, compounding, I think, Ron. Yeah, without a doubt, more leverage. There's leverage in hiring employees. There's leverage in all that stuff. Uh, There's leverage in shoring up your systems, fixing one part of your system that's going to save you a ton of time down the line. Uh, You can't like be that old man who... uh, uh, Sorry if I'm stereotyping, but you can't be that like old person. Like we all know an old person who like hates technology. Like AI is not going to be a part of it. Cell phones are never going to be. Uh, you can't be that. You got to adjust <laughs> with the market and make changes. I think it's really important. Yeah. And in this business, since we're at a level like land flipping is a level 10 opportunity, like we discussed in the last episode versus, you know, maybe um, a service based restaurant might be a level two opportunity with how hard it is to scale and how much resistance you have. Um, I think personally for land flipping, this business is easy to make a million dollars relatively compared to other businesses, Ron. But can you add another digit to that? Can you make a $10 million business? Can you level that up? And to do that, to take it from $1 million to $10 million, there's just so many systems, processes, employees, and things that you're going to need to get in place. That's when things get hard in my mind. Like I thought it was fairly easy making a million dollar business. Once you start hiring and have to scale off your core values and your mission and aligning the company in one direction to get the boat rowing all together that's where it gets a little bit tricky. And that's definitely more advanced, Ron. Most of our listeners aren't there, yeah. which is completely fine. 
because your goal is to make a few hundred thousand dollars, maybe five hundred thousand, a million dollars. Yep. You'll get there. Stay consistent. But once you get to that level, what's your next move? Do you want to stay there or do you want to grow? Yeah. Both methods are fine, but I still think hiring and outsourcing is good, whether you want to stay at $500,000 or $5 million. Real quick, guys, you know that I don't run any ads on this. So the only ask I can ever have with you guys is to help me spread the word so that we can help more real estate entrepreneurs make more money, help feed their families and help achieve more freedom in their life. The only way we can do this is if you could rate, review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is if you could just leave a review, it would take only 10 seconds. It would mean the world to Ron and I, but more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Thank you.